Kings, if you turn to First Kings chapter 4, First Kings chapter 4, First Kings chapter 4. I had a pastor that asked me for my lessons <laughs> on my on our journey through the Bible. He says, "Can you send me your lessons?" I said, "Why, you really want them?" <laughs> it's kind of funny, isn't it? Okay. Anyway, First Kings chapter four, verse one. It says, uh, "Judah and Israel were many, and as the sand which is by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and making merry, and Solomon." reigned over all the kingdoms from the river unto the land of the Philistines unto the border of Egypt. They brought presents and served Solomon all the days of his life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for the word of God, the Bible. We can take so much from it. We can, it, it will transform our lives, uh, Lord, for the better, for the better, Lord, if we really take heed in what you say and make application of the word to our lives, Lord. So help us to do that, to make a difference in the world that we live in, Lord. Lord, we, the people might think we're different, so we are different. We are your children. And pray, Father, help us, Lord, to display that in our daily lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so today is the making of a leader. The making of a leader. Uh, and uh, uh, it's very, pretty much like picking up from last week, so to speak, but the making of a leader. Leader. Some people are born and uh, they have a natural incline for leadership. You agree with that? They have they, they are inclined uh, for leadership. Doesn't mean doesn't mean that they're going to be leaders, but they have that inclination for that. And I mean, we are born with special abilities and gifts. We know that. Uh, uh, people do things that fascinates you, and uh, you know, and and I do things, and you do things, and uh, I mean, I might do things you do, but you might do things I don't do, but. The, the, the leader in you, so to speak, uh, uh, God puts that in our hearts, and, and people have that inclination. But right here, we see a new king, a new leader, uh, which he became a great leader not because of his own ability. I don't think he had it, because when God, uh, when he goes to the Lord and asks him, he asks the Lord for wisdom. And I think that's what leaders need is wisdom. They need wisdom to lead. Uh, so and he did ask, and the Lord, the Lord was so impressed with his prayer that the Lord gave him a lot more than that. So, when a new leader, I kind of pick up from last week, comes into power, there's always the uh, uh, caution, uh, or always the question made by the people on which the which king, which king or leader they're going to be or become. Uh, like like I said, move, uh, David moved out of the scene here, and now is a new season in the life of Israel, and a new leader come into the life of Israel, and no one is, is not known else but the son Solomon uh, that comes to be the new king. And of course, when it comes new administrations, there's new, uh, new way of doing things, new ideas, and sometimes people don't like new ideas. Uh, there are people who don't like changes. Uh, they don't like things to be moved. They get upset about it. Uh, it, it you know, it, I, I work with many men, and uh, I, I know some guys, if you move something from where they are, they get all out of shape. Why did you move that? 
Well, because I don't know. You guys, oh, I always had that thing right there. <laughs> so, but anyway, we see here that a new king comes into into power here. And, of course, what's going to be out of this man? What is he going to do? So we know that Solomon was very young when he began to reign. But he started the right way. He asked God for wisdom to guide God's people. I think that's a good way to start. And I think we, too, even though we're not per se kings, but what a good way to start our Christian life. Lord, give me wisdom because I don't have any. Give me wisdom to, to, to be a godly man or a godly woman. Give me wisdom to be able to interact with people and to be, uh, a, not to be a stumbling block to people. You know, we can go on and on and on here. But uh, we need wisdom every day, don't we? We need wisdom every day for every, for every decision of life. I mean, there are sometimes uh, uh, situations what, you know, in my life personally on which I, I, I react one way and, and, and two hours later I'm like, oh, that was not good. I should have, you know, and the Lord just impressed on your heart and you begin to regret. But we need wisdom. We need wisdom to those things. So I think that's the way, uh, the way new leader, a new leader should start is by asking the Lord for wisdom. I think a leader will, will govern the right way if he allows God to help him. I think the same thing for every Christian. If we allow the Lord to work in our lives and to guide us, we be more sensitive, listen to this, to what God has to say than what people has to say. You follow that? Because ultimately, it's not about impressing people, but about serving God. That's the way life should be. I think Solomon started the right way. He wanted to serve as God the way his father did. Uh, he knew his father was not perfect, but he wanted to serve as God. And he asked God for wisdom to lead his people. The same thing, you know, if we are in the business of impressing people, trying to impress people, we make a, we're, going to be, have a, we're going to have a miserable life. And life should not be like that. Life is about me serving my God. That's the way it should be. So, in 1 Kings 3, the Lord came to Solomon and told him that he could ask for anything. Wow. Solomon asked for an understanding mind so that he could rule God's people properly. The Lord was so pleased with this, this request that he, 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 he did not only granted Solomon the, the greatest wisdom ever, but he also granted Solomon wealth and power of the kingdom. So as we approach here chap, uh, chapter 4, we might imagine that this is a lot of detail about the kingdom here in chapter 4, if you look at it. And there's a lot of uh, things right here, and we're going to look at, uh, dissect this, uh, this whole passage here. Uh, but anyway... Um, However, 1 Kings chapter 4 says a lot about Solomon, Solomon and the nature of his kingdom. As we look at these pictures, we are going to see Jesus and his kingdom uh, 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 foreshadowed in here. To this, we will have much to say about what this means for our own lives today. So let's, let's look at this from several points tonight. So number one, we see uh, the discerning king. The discerning king. Look at, actually, uh, did I said chapter 4? It's, a, it's chapter 3. I am sorry. I don't know why. I read out of chapter 4, but we in chapter 3. <laughs> All right. Okay. But I read you out of chapter 4. I read you out of chapter 4, but the title, but the, it's First Kings chapter 3. We're going to go back there. I confused myself here. Okay. So. Yes, it is. That's what I'm saying. Okay. <laughs> it's God's word. It's good. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, anyway, let look at let go back to First uh, Kings chapter three and look at verse sixteen. 
Look what it says there. Here's a story here that is very popular. Uh, most of us Christians know about this story. Let me read a few verses out of this. Then came, uh, then came there two women. Uh, they were harlots unto the, unto the king and stood before the king. And, and uh, the one woman said, Oh, my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house. And I, del I was delivered of a child uh, which, uh, with her in her house. And it came to pass on the third day after I was delivered that this woman all delivered also. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save, the, the, uh, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose in at midnight and took my son from beside me while thine uh, handmaid slept and, and laid it in my bosom and laid her, uh, that child in, in, I'm sorry, in, I'm sorry, and laid it in her bosom and laid uh, her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I was considered in the, when I considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. And, uh, and, uh, and the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is thy son. And this, and, th and this said, uh, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. So the king is sitting in his throne right here, and he got two women arguing with each other whose child was, whose child is. And you know what? Uh, and it is, uh, imagine that. Imagine you being King Solomon. And you sit on your throne. You watch these two harlots coming in. And they begin to point fingers, which son was which son. And you're like, I mean, we already know the story. But imagine if you were there and you had to come with a decision because they came for a decision. Well, look, let's continue. It said, then said the king, the one said, this is my son that liveth. And thy son is, is dead. And the other said, Nay, but thy son is dead, and my son is living. And the king said, Bring me the sword. And they brought the sword before the king. And the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. Very practical, isn't it? Would you come with that idea? <laughs> I mean, I don't think Solomon was going to literally cut the child. He was just making a point here because now you're going to have somebody screaming out loud. I mean, if it was your child and you were there, would you say, cut it? He did exactly what this woman said. You know, you know give it to her. Any other one said, yeah, cut it off. Can you imagine that? Cut it off. <laughs> so, uh, look what it says. In, uh, then the king answered and said, give, uh, give her the child. And in no wise, I'm going to go back a little bit because uh, I didn't read the rest of the verse. It says, then speak the woman uh, who's the living child was uh, uh, in the king. Uh, it, it was unto the king for her bowels yearned uh, upon her son and said, oh, my Lord, give her the living child and in no wise slay it. But, uh, but the other said, let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it. Wow. Then the king answered and said, give her the living child and in no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. And all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had judged, and they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him and to judgment. I wonder what happened to the other woman, the one that said, go ahead and do that. Cut him in two. Did she go free? The Bible doesn't say, doesn't say nothing about it. So Solomon asked for wisdom, asked God for wisdom, so he could lead his people the right way. God grant them wisdom. I tell you what, this is right here. This is 
practical wisdom. This is like wisdom putting it in, very na- in a practical way and say, okay, I don't know whose model is it. We know. Listen, if we look today and what we have, we would say, okay, we're going to get some things done and we're going to find out who's who here. It's easy for us to see that way. But in those days, there's no way. He had to come out with something to get, you know what? It was a harsh way to say it, so to speak. But yeah, it worked. Practical wisdom, you know, put in place right here, and the truth came right out. So, folks, leadership comes with great responsibility. It comes with great responsibility. Wisdom that gives Solomon great discernment so he could be able to lead his people here. And let me tell you, leadership comes with great responsibility. A leader carries on the, sh- on the shoulders the responsibility to guide and to lead. He carries on the shoulders the highs and lows of leadership. A good leader is one that leads by example. And let me tell you, all of us are put in places of leadership. All of us. As in true life, you might say, I'm not a leader, but sometimes you find yourself leading. And a good leader leads by example. Solomon started right. Solomon started with a good example. He went to God. He asked God for wisdom. He dedicated a temple to the Lord. What caused Solomon to walk away from God was all the marriages that he had. So Solomon started his leadership with God. Solomon's practical wisdom is put the task here in these verses with these two women. Is why put the test. So Solomon with this God-given wisdom resolved the situation in a very practical way. As a result, the people saw, saw the great discernment and understanding and wisdom in the leadership of their king. So now, God's chosen leaders can't, can't always remain on the heights of spiritual glory, but must take the glory and blessing with them into the place of duty and service. For an example, Jesus left the mountain of transfiguration for the valley of conflict, didn't he? Another one, Paul left the heights of heaven to carry on earth the pain of a thorn in a flash. Solomon had been worshiping Gibeon and Jerusalem, but now he has to return to the responsibilities of the throne. So like his father David, Solomon gave the common people access to the king. So we see this in 2 Samuel 14. So God has given Solomon a special gift of wisdom, and now he could put it to use. I tell you what. I think that all of us, take it from Solomon here, I think all of us ought to ask God for wisdom. Because if we don't ask God for wisdom, we're going to ask somebody else for it. And we're going to listen to the voices of this world. And the voices of this world, they're not for God, they're against God. You follow that? I mean, I, I'm, not a, I'm not 12 years old, I'm, I'm much older, but I tell you what, the longer I live, I see this. The, the world have its voices. And if we listen to the voices of the world, it would draw us away from God. We need to ask the Lord for wisdom each day to make the right decisions, to make the wise decisions as we consider decisions that we have to make every day. Listen, don't you make decisions every day? We all make decisions every day, all of us. We make big decisions. We make Little decisions, we make insignificant decisions, we all make decisions. You know what? And every decision affects us. I believe they do. I believe they do. 
heavy decisions affects what we do. And so we see Solomon with that. So Solomon receives here two prostitutes at his throne and, and was certainly an act of condescension for him. He allowed these people to come in. So like Jesus, Solomon welcomed publicans and sinners, except that Jesus did more than solve their problem. Jesus changed their hearts. And Solomon could not forgive their sin. In every way, Jesus is greater than Solomon, I believe. He said it even with his own mouth. There's one greater than Solomon here. He told the Jewish people that. So they are, this, these two women came to Solomon accusing one another. Since then, uh, since there was no witness to, to the birth of the two babies or, or, or the death of one, the case could be tried in the courts in a normal way. It couldn't. So it would be one woman's word against the other woman's word, even though it was obvious that one was lying. So using the divine wisdom that God gave him, Solomon bypassed the word of the woman and went right to the heart of the issue. Put it this way. For the heart of every problem, you get this? You might want to write this down. For the heart of every problem is the problem of the heart. Because all of us have a heart and all of us have a heart problem. By suggesting that they divide the baby between them, Solomon revealed the heart of the true mother and give her baby to her. So for weeks, uh, the account of this event was the main topic of a conversation in all Israel. And Solomon's decision announced to everyone that the king was indeed a wise man. Something that the people really needed is strong and wise leadership. That's what we need. It's not what we want in our country. We want strong leadership. We want wise leaders. That's what we want. We pray for it. You know, a lot of times we, you know, we say, we scratch our heads and say, I think if I was the president, I'd probably do a better job than this guy because we don't agree with what they're doing. It's like, what in the world are they thinking? Uh, but anyway, anyway, I think we need to ask the Lord for wisdom like Solomon did. Number two, we see a wise administrator king. And we see this in uh, chapter, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 1. It says, so King Solomon was king over all Israel. David was the gifted administrator. David was his father. Solomon inherited some of that ability. Even though Solomon had great wisdom and authority, he couldn't handle the affairs of the kingdom alone. A good and wise leader chooses capable, dependable associates and allows them to use their own gifts and thereby serve the Lord and the people. Let me put it this way. Solomon put people around him, and that's what we need to do. For an example, all right, I'm the pastor of this church here. I cannot do everything by myself. So what do you do? I give jobs to, not jobs, ministries is the word, for you to do it. You know what? Because in, in the end, God gets the glory. That's what happened. God gets the glory. And we... Aren't we here to give God the glory? Isn't that why we come here to church, worship Him, giving Him the glory? I mean, that's the way I see it. I mean, yes, we come, we have friendships, absolutely. We have family, absolutely. But ultimately, when the, the body gets together, it's to give God glory. We worship Him. So, letter A, we see the special choosing. From verse 1 to verse 6, the first thing we see about Solomon You see a bunch of names here in chapter 4, and from verse 1 to verse 6. You see, uh, 
uh, we see that the first thing we see about Solomon's king, uh, kingdom and reign is that it is a blast kingdom. So the first 19 verses describes the, the, how, the, how the, the, king get, the kingdom gets established with its officials and administrators. So the point of listing all these names here, you see all these names here on chapter 4, is to show that the kingdom is completely established without any external threat here. Uh, Solomon, what he did, he gets all these people and he gave them different ministries within the kingdom. You know what? He's wise because he can do everything by himself. Do you think your president does everything by himself? I mean, uh, seriously, you think your president just just sits in the White House and dictates everything by himself? No. He has a whole bunch of people working on him with different Jobs that they do, they have to respond to the president. Of course, they have, you have to do that. But that's the way to, to lead it. Otherwise, how could he do that? He can't. And Solomon could not either. Neither can we. So Solomon's kingdom was much larger and more complex than the, the one his father ruled. And as a wise king, he surrounds himself with men who, uh, who he trusted in order for him to rule and protect God's people. As we can see, Solomon started the right way. He asked God for wisdom because he didn't know how to go about ruling a kingdom by himself. He asked God with a humble heart, and the Lord granted him his wish. He used the wisdom that God granted him and surrounds himself with people who would help him to accomplish his goal. I think that's what we need to approach God. How do you approach God? With a humble heart. How do we ask God with a humble heart? How he took to God with a humble heart. Humbleness of heart. God, God looks at that. And if we go, you know, if you go to the Lord with a prideful heart, I don't think the Lord's going to uh, uh, look at us and say, you know, uh, yeah, you're doing a good job praying to me. You know, I'm going to answer everything you said. No, remember the publican that walks into church and tells God how good he is? That's pridefulness. But the other one comes in and says, Lord, forgive me, a sinner. The humbleness of heart. So David was unable to set up anything like this be because he was always on a run at war, on the threat or on the attack. But this is not true for Solomon. The Lord has established the kingdom just as he promised to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. Actually, let me read this verse to you. It says, And when this uh, thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, I will set up thy seed up after thee, which shall proceed out of thy bowels, and I will establish his kingdom. You see that? 2 Samuel 7, uh, 7 12. Uh, the trust of, the, of this blessed king is proclaiming verse 20. 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 20. Look what it says there, here in our text. It says, Judah and Israel were many, and uh, as the sand which is by the sea in multitude, eating and drinking and making merry. So there are two fulfillments that are being despised in these verses. First, the promise to Abraham are being fulfilled here. Remember that the Lord promised Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the sand of the seashore. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 17, Genesis 15, uh, 5 and 18. So this is not a mere statement about how many people are under Solomon's rule here. This is saying that, that God is blessed this kingdom and fulfilling the promise that he made to Abraham. Second notice is the peace and joy that the people have in this kingdom here. They have rest. They're, they have no, now, they're not worried. They are able to eat and drink and rejoice, be happy, be content. This is the ideal fulfillment of God's promises here. One of the purpose of the kingdom is to, to rest 
to give rest to his people. In this rest, in this kingdom, the, the needs of the people are met in great abundance right here. We're going to look into this. But let me tell you this. There's another kingdom coming, coming too. Don't forget about that. Which kingdom is that? Is the Lord Jesus. He's going to rule and reign for what? One thousand years. That kingdom will be much greater than this kingdom right here. So let it be we see the special commissioners. Look at verse 7. And Solomon had 12 offices over all Israel, which provided victual for the king and his household. Each man, each man his mouth in a year made provision. So Solomon marked out 12 districts in various sizes and put the commission over each district. The boundaries of the, the districts ignored the tradition boundaries of the tribes and even incorporated ter territories that David had taken in battle. Each district was to provide food for the king's household for one month. It's likely that the commissions also collected taxes and supervised the recruiting of soldiers and labor for the temple and Solomon's other building projects. So by establishing this, these new districts that crossed over old boundaries, Solomon may have hoped to minimize tribal loyalties and eliminate some of the tensions between Judah and the northern tribes right here. So instead of the, the plan uh, only aggravated tension, uh, particularly since Judah wasn't included in the redistricting program right here. So being the loyal, the loyal uh, royal tribe that, that contained the royal city, Judah was administrated separately. So any king, listen to this, with 700 wives and 300 concubines plus numerous officers had frequent guests would have a large household to feed. Don't you think? If you have 700 wives and 300 concubines and uh, all kinds of people to serve you and to feed you and to clean and all that, I believe that. Can you imagine the amount of food that was consumed every day in this kingdom? Just to think about it. So it needed a lot of wisdom to get, you know, uh, we need to get food here. So, I mean, it was a great kingdom here, but think about what went on here. For an example, let me give you this example. When the queen of Sheba came with her very great train, they must have included seven, several hundred people with that queen when she came. So according to verse 22, verse 23, the meals for one day is required a hundred and, look, listen to this, 185 bushels of fine flour, 375 bushels of coarse meal, 10 oxen fattened, and, it, and, it, and in a stall and 20 oxen from, from the pasture, 100 sheep and various kinds of of game and foes. So you can you imagine all the food that was needed? Solomon also needed grain for as, as many horses, which may have been how the coarse meal was used. So the conquered nations have uh, may have looked upon this monthly donations as a part of tribute to the king to King Solomon. How he managed all this, I don't know, but this guy, the Lord gave him so much wisdom. And he got this, as long as he lived, he lived in that abundance like that. I don't know, but he did it. So the Jewish tribes considered this whole system to be humiliating form of the exhortation, uh, exhortation here. So after Solomon, uh, Solomon's death, it was no wonder that ten tribes rose up and revolt against this whole thing. Number three, we see a rich kingdom. So the description that I give in verse 21 to verse 28 are stunning right here. Solomon has, a, uh, has subjugated all the people and nations around him so that the, these countries are, are bringing tribute to Solomon. Look at verse 21. 
And Solomon reigned over all kingdoms, from the river unto the land of the Philistines, unto the border of Egypt. <coughs> I'm sorry. They brought, they brought presents and served Solomon all the days of his life. Solomon didn't, didn't ask God for riches, but simply for wisdom to rule his people. But the wisdom that he received for the Lord, he accumulated many riches. Solomon became a rich, rich man. So imagine in one day Solomon's house received. Imagine according to verse 22 to verse 23, Solomon's house received in one day 185 bushels of fine flour, 375 bushels. I already mentioned that. All those things. He received all that. Can you imagine that? People just bring it to him. So this is a rich kingdom. And yet again, the point is that is to show what the people of the kingdom are enjoying right here. Look verse 24 and verse 25. Look what it says. It says, For we have dominion over all the region on the side of the river. It says from Tysas, uh, I don't know the name, even Isas, over all the, the kings uh, on the side of the river, and he had peace on all sides around him. And Judah and Israel dwell safely. Every man under his vine and under uh, his fig tree, from Dan even to Bathsheba, all the days of Solomon. So there was a peace in the nation. People sit down on their grapevines. People enjoy the days. It was peace constantly as long as Solomon was the king there. So there is peace on every side. The people have nothing to worry about. The people live in safety without threats. Every person lived under their own vine and fig trees. Imagine, they was not like that when his father was the king. When David was the king, it was wars after wars. And, you know, there was... One time, a son had rebelled against him. The second time, when he's in his dad's bed, his other son tried to take the kingdom. When Solomon gets in, there's peace. It's amazing. So now this, this problem sounds, I mean, for you, every person lives under the fig tree. So now this problem sounds really strange, uh, but it is a metaphor here. It's a metaphor for living in ideal conditions in the kingdom. It is important to see here because the prophets will love to use this phrase to describe the kingdom when Christ comes. In sort, nothing was lacking. Actually, look at verse 27. And those officers provide victual for, for King Solomon and for all that came into, uh, into King Solomon's table. Every man in his mouth, they lack nothing. So foods, nutrition, they didn't lack anything. It was abundantly in this kingdom. Number four, we see a wise kingdom. Look at this. Finally, we see... Solomon's kingdom and reign is a wise kingdom. Look at verse 29 all the way to verse 31. It says, and that's chapter 4. It says, And God gives Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largest of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom exceeded the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men. Interesting. This man asked for wisdom. He didn't ask anything else. He asked for wisdom to lead God's people. And God gave him that wisdom. But he used that wisdom in a way. He became the richest man. He didn't ask for riches. I'll tell you what. If we ask God for wisdom, we will be rich. You say, Pastor, you think the dollar, dollar signs are going to come in? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about living in life of wisdom and gratitude of heart. You know, when you know you don't have to 
to have riches to be joyful and, 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 and praising God each day. When we, the Lord give us wisdom to make all these wise decisions and to live in a way that pleases Him. It's like, it's like being rich. Look what it says here in, uh, uh, let's see. Did I give you point number four? A wise kingdom. I did, I did. So, so Solomon's wisdom is a, 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 is a blessing to the people and a blessing to the world. It is still a blessing even today. Look at what the Bible says about the wisdom of Solomon. Look at verse, uh, uh, 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 32. It says, And he spake 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. In verse 33 says, And he spake uh, of trees uh, from the cedar tree that is in Lebanon, even into the hyssop that springed out in, of the wall. He spake of beasts and of foes and of creeping things and of fishes. They came, uh, uh, they came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all kings of the earth which had heard of his wisdom. So all the kings of the earth heard Solomon's wisdom. Everyone wanted to belong to this kingdom here. Everyone wanted to be part of Solomon's rule and have access to all the blessings of his reign. You know, Queen of Sheba said, I heard of your wisdom. I heard of your things. But now I believe even more because I seen with my own eyes. It's interesting with the way she describes the way the kingdom was. So everyone wanted to be part of this kingdom. So it is a kingdom that is full of wisdom, riches, peace, joy, happiness, and rest. Can you imagine what it must have been like to, to live in, in a, such a kingdom? Can you imagine being an average citizen in the kingdom during the, the reign of Solomon? It must have been a glorious time to be there. Imagine not worrying about your government. Many people are worried about the government right now. And inflation is going out the roof. You see that, what's going on? And uh, there's no stopping. People are saying, how in the world am I going to pay my rent? Rents in here in our state is about, what, $2,000 average a month? Some people don't even make that kind of money, you know? How are they going to do it? Now we have heating oil coming up, you know, and gas and other heaters. And people say, how am I going to do it? I had one guy crying to me today. He's like, I don't know. Uh, he said, I, I fill up my tank. It was almost $900. I don't know how I'm going to get money to fill up the next one. And like, you know, and, you know it, it, inflation is taking place. And do we worried? Yeah. Imagine living in a, in, a, in a time on which you don't have to worry about those things. Because we say, well, I don't care what's happening in the White House. It affects all of us, folks. Doesn't it? It affects all of us. So imagine not worry about your government. All the rulers rule in righteousness. Wow, that's a good word. You know, I put it like this. Far, far, far as I understand, we have representatives and senators, right? And they're going to Washington to represent whom? The people of the state they come from. How do you do they, doing that? Or they, I think, I mean, if we talk, if we do a survey, most people would say, probably, I think I'm right on this one. Oh, no, no, they're not representing us. So imagine if all of our rulers, our senators and our representatives, our, our mayors and, and you know, our, our uh, president, they all rule and with righteousness. That way you can place to live. 
Imagine the other countries of the world, everybody wanted to come here and say, you know, let's go there because life is good there. Look at the way they do it, you know. You know, So that's the same thing going on here. Imagine not worrying about food or the economy. Imagine not worrying about money. Imagine not worrying not worry about other nations, uh, what they are doing and planning against you. Imagine a government administration whose sole purpose is to act wisely for the good of the people. Should be that way, right? For the good of the people. I mean, I can give you a list of things I say that, sh that if it was be done, it would be for the good of the people. That's why we go vote, right? So we can elect someone to do, do good for the people. I'm not going to get into politics. <laughs> so anyway, number five, or number six, I'm sorry. We see a perfect kingdom. I want us to listen to, to something Jesus said while he was teaching those who refused to believe in him unless, uh, uh, him, uh, unless a sign was given to him. Listen to what Jesus said. They were asking Jesus for a sign. And look what Jesus said. Go to Matthew chapter 12. I want you to go there and see uh, what Jesus had to say about relating to what we're talking about here tonight. Look at uh, Matthew 12, verse 42. You know, for those that think that the Old Testament, you know, like, oh, the God of the Old Testament is not the same God of the New Testament. Well, let me put it this way. Jesus quoted Allah from the Old Testament. And right here he's quoting from the Old Testament. Look what it says in verse 42. It says, the queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with, uh, with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of whom? Solomon. And behold, look what he says, that greater than Solomon is where? Here. He's talking about himself. Something greater than Solomon is here, he says. We cannot appreciate these words until we have looked at the glory of Solomon's kingdom here. Something greater than Solomon is here, Jesus said. How could anything be greater than Solomon and the, and the kingdom he rule over for, uh, for the good of the people? Yet, this is exactly what Jesus said. Take everything we know about Solomon and, and, and the king, and the king, and the king, I'm sorry, and the king got established through him and understand that Jesus is, and his kingdom is far greater. It will be far greater than Solomon's kingdom. Think about what he said about Solomon in, in chapter here, First Kings chapter 4, verse 30 and 31, it says, And Solomon's wisdom exceeded of all the children of the east in all and country and all the wisdom of, uh, of Egypt, for he was wiser than all men. And in the, end, in the end of the verse says, And his fame was in all nations round about. He was wiser than anyone else, but Jesus is greater than Solomon. And Jesus said that with his own mouth. One greater than Solomon is here. He's pointed at himself. Imagine those who heard him. Let's make some application here, okay? What is the point? First, as, as glorious as, as it is to, as, as to imagine what it would be, uh, uh, be like to belong to Solomon's kingdom, with all his wisdom and glory, the kingdom Jesus established is far greater. Friends, we belong to a greater kingdom on the a greater king. We have a king who is very uh, wiser or wiser than Solomon, and it is, it is the very wisdom of God. That's what he has. We have a king who rules over all the earth. We have a king whose riches is so vast because he owns it all and created all. We have a king who has 
who has come to bring us peace, rest, and hope. And it's what people don't understand. When a person receives Jesus as Savior, he does, he makes what? Peace with God. You, we enter into a kingdom on which, which we experience a peace that the world can never give us. That's why we can be at peace in the, in the midst of turmoil. We have a, 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 a peace that goes be, is, is, the people of this world does not understand. We have a king who has come to bring us peace, rest, and hope. We have a king that allows us to prosper on the, our own vine and fig trees. I ask us to imagine not worrying about our government, our rulers, our food, our economy, our money, or, and what other nations are doing or planning. You do not have to imagine. That is the, the very kingdom you belong to. If you belong to the kingdom of Jesus, then, then you have nothing to fear. Why fear when God is in control? That's not what we say. Why fear when God is in control? Why fear? I don't have to fear. God is in control. Why worry? God is in control. Somebody said this to me today, and he's not even saved. I said to him, uh, oh, good morning, and uh, good morning. So we're talking back and forth, and he goes, ah, oh, you know, oh, I take it back. He was, he was a little worried, and I said, said to him, you need to calm down. I think, you know, I was like, you know what, you're right. He said to me, he said, tomorrow is another day, he says to me. And, the, and, and if we get there, we take care of what I cannot do today. I said, you got it. You got it. And that's the way it should be. We do what we can today, tomorrow is another day. If I have tomorrow. <laughs> So we, uh, we, not have to, we not have to worry about those things. Jesus is king today. Jesus is, is reigning and we belong to him. So we have nothing to worry about as we enjoy the, uh, the God's kingdom today. Secondly, uh, 1 Kings chapter 4, we see people and, and kings uh, and uh, all uh, flocking to wisdom of Solomon. They're all running to him. We see people designed to belong to, to Solomon's kingdom because of his wisdom, power, and riches. People wanted to belong to the kingdom because of the great king who ruled over them and blessed them. So let me tell you this. That is what we have in Jesus. Jesus condemned the scribes and Pharisees in Matthew 12 because they were unwilling to listen to him. Actually, consider this. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 42, it says, The queen of Sheba shall rise up in judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she, she, she came from the othermost part of the earth to, to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, and he says to these people, uh, greater than Solomon is here. I am greater than him. Why don't you listen to me? You know, folks, that's what we try to tell people. You need to come to King Jesus. That's why we go and tell people about the Lord. Because they need to come to King Jesus and experience and live in this kingdom. Don't you glad that you came to the kingdom? You are a child of God. You, you have a King Jesus as your Lord. Do you see the glory of our King in the pages of the Bible? Of course they are. If we do, then we will seek Him and seek His kingdom above anything else. If we are not seeking the Lord and seeking His kingdom first, then we do not value his kingdom we value our kingdom that we have created in our own minds we have made ourselves in charge and think we have rule over our lives we do not value what jesus is offering to us 
Listen, folks, we are people, all of us, and God gave us great minds to do whatever we want to do. In the free, and we have the free, we have free will to do whatever you want to do. But I think the most blessed people are those, listen to this, I think the most blessed people are those, you grab this book, read it, study, and apply, and live it. Because when we begin to study the Word of God, and try to live it, and try to understand what God's all about, you know what's going to happen? We're going to put Him as King in our lives. And He's become Lord of all to us. You see, people live for something or after something. Everybody. Or either somebody is ruling your heart or you're, you, you're ruling your own heart and you're doing whatever you want to do and God has no part of it. But those who really understand the peace of God, the joy of God, the, the, the rest that we have in the Lord are those who are students of God's word, those who make application of God's word, those who get up every day and go and serve Him each day. May we have that desire in our hearts. I cannot give you that desire. That's got to be a desire that you want for yourself. Listen, my walk with the Lord is not your walk with the Lord. You got that? And you folks in the sound room, if you guys listen to that, my walk with the Lord is not your walk with the Lord. Your walk with the Lord is your walk with the Lord. You have to want that for yourself. You have to want to open the Bible. You have to want to study God's Word. You have to want to know God and to have a close relationship with Him. I cannot do that to you. It's got to be the desire of your own hearts. That's what you want to do. And the more you do that, I promise you, the more you do that, the more transformation are going to occur in your own life, in your own mind. The more you want to, to please Him and live for Him, and you're going to be different, a different person. You're going to think different. You're going to act different. You're going to live different. Not because you want, and I'm saying not because you try to please people, it's because that's what God does to you. And the result is you will live in peace and rest, and you will be blessed. And if people say, well, really, Pastor? Yeah, try it. I cannot do it for you. You have to do it for yourself. I conclude with this. Let us end with the glorious words of the Apostle Paul regarding this idea of us today. Go to Romans chapter 14 in verse 16. Let's look at a couple of verses there. We're almost done. Look what it says there in Romans chapter 14, verse 16. It says, Let not them, then you good be evil spoken of. For the kingdom of God is not, a, is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Let me repeat this, okay? Because some people have a wrong notion what is this kingdom and what is about living for God. Look what it says. Let not then your good be evil spoken of. You got what God's saying, saying in here? You got it? I don't think it needs explanation. Look what it says in verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not of meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. For he, he that, uh, in, I'm sorry, for he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us therefore, he says, follow after the things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify what? Another. You see, you know, folks, let me, tell, let me tell you something. 
Do you know how many people are going to die and live out of, go out of this world and going to, he's going to go in front of God Almighty and they're going to regret it because they don't understand what, what, what is serving God and living for God is. It is a, it's righteousness and peace. Righteousness. Righteousness goes against every worldly thing that is out there. Look, it says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, Therefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptable, acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is what? A consuming fire, the Bible says. In Philippians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, For our conversation, not the way we speak, it says, Our way of life is in heaven. From hence also we look for the, the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile bodies, that we may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working uh, whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. So you see, that is all these scriptures that we ought to have uh, 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 a different focus for life because we belong to a different kingdom, and we are looking forward to the fullness of, us, of this glorious kingdom to come when our King Jesus returns. He is our he is coming as he promised. And let me tell you this. And as he comes, what we need to do, we need to keep our eyes on the mark. And in the, mean, in the meantime, we are to live in righteousness and in peace. That's the way God wants us to live. Righteousness and in peace in this world. Not the peace of this world, but the peace that is from God. Listen, God's peace and world's peace are two different things. Much different. Don't confuse the world's peace with God's peace. Don't confuse the world's righteousness with God's righteousness. Two different things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for this passage of Scripture, Lord. We know, Lord, that Solomon had a great kingdom, Lord. He reigned for many years. Many people wanted to be part of that kingdom. But you said to those Pharisees and the Sadducees and others that were around you, one greater than Solomon is here. And Lord, you came. You gave us salvation. And Lord, may we invite others to be part of this kingdom that we are in, Lord. And may we understand what it is to live in righteousness and in peace. Father, help us, Lord, to uh, share this kingdom with others each day. And help us to live in, with joy and gratitude of heart that we are yours. In Jesus' name I pray.